You're listening to The Pastor Pod, sharing what we're learning to help you lead well in our culture today. This podcast is hosted by pastors Josh Robinson and Jay Mudd. Their goal is to be real, transparent, and let you in on what pastors really think about stuff. Well, hey, welcome back to The Pastor Pod. We are glad to have you with us for another exciting episode. Uh, we're on episode 90. 90 episodes in. Uh, it's been a fun journey to get here. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Jay Mudd, pastor in or- the Orlando area. Jay, good to see you, buddy. Glad you're with us. Yeah, good to see you. Um, I, you know, obviously, Josh, uh, we record this before it lands on Friday, um, but this week we just got done recording our first cohort, or not recording, we didn't record it, but, you know, spent some time with some guys in a cohort. That was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. times some guys sharpening one another, encouraging, um, all the way from, let's see, what do we have? We had Rhode Island in there. You had New Jersey in there. So Florida in there. Was there anywhere yeah. else? That missed? West Virginia. I think, uh, West Virginia. Josh is like on the Ohio border, West Virginia okay. border area. And then a friend, Nathan from Georgia. And let's see, was that? I think that was it. We're waiting on uh, one of our good, other good friends named Dan, who couldn't join us because of hurricane damage. They, they lost power and uh, lost internet. So we're praying for him and all those that have been affected this week. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always, I, hurricanes, they, I mean, you know, firsthand, Josh, I've been in Florida long enough. I now live in central Florida. So even if we get something, it's very rarely a major, major issue. But those who live on the coast, um, specifically up in the Perry area, of Florida got really, really hit hard. And so make sure we're praying for them and the recovering efforts. And um, man, it, you know, some of the images, they're always, I mean, you see one, you've seen a lot of damage, but I mean, it's never easy to swallow watching that. And you were sharing um, and one of our conversations we've had this week, I've, I feel like I've been around you quite a bit this week. We need a break, Josh. No, uh, <laughs> you, were sharing, you know, uh, as any of these things come up the coast, you know, people in your area, there's like a little bit of, um, there's always that in the back of their mind of, man, this could shift, this could wobble. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, because, because you go through these things and that's, that's really how it is. I know my, my in-laws who live in the panhandle because of Michael was up there, you know, years ago, and they're always, you know, on the mm-hmm. edge a little bit, because again, until you get hit, yeah. hit directly something by one of these, mm-hmm. um, you really can never really understand, uh, what you go through more than just property damage thing, but there's an emotional factor. There's all those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was sitting there watching the the updates and we closed down the office like Tuesday afternoon. And then Wednesday, all the schools closed as well as Tuesday as well. But, you know, comparing everything to hurricane Ian, like me and Cassidy were like looking at the tracks from like the both storms. And she's like, it, it almost looks the same or in this way. And, you know, they said it was going to hit here, but then it turned in. And so we we were on edge. I mean, I, I did wake up, I think it was Wednesday morning, really remembering all the images of cleanup after Hurricane Ian, as well as just so many families that are still cleaning up. I mean, we have people that are having their roofs repaired right now from last year. And so, yeah, I, I had a little bit of PTSD uh, just thinking through that. And I grew up around hurricanes, but Hurricane Ian was a four or five category uh, that just, and it just sat on us. It didn't move. So this one thankfully moved fast, but we are praying for the people in Perry and uh, Cedar key and all the areas of the big bend. Um, and some friends from Bible college that I'm just connecting with this morning. So we're looking at ways we can, you know, just find out how we can help and, uh, you know, going to get through it. I know a lot of people are out of power in that area. 
and a lot of rural areas that don't have as much infrastructure. And, uh, but yeah, just continue to pray because you, as much as you don't want it to hit you, you also don't want it to hit anybody else. So it's, it's, uh, definitely an emotional experience for sure. But yeah, God's good. Everything's good here. And, uh, grateful it didn't hit you guys hard in Orlando either. Nah, I mean, we get, we typically get some rain and some wind, but, uh, I can tell you this, the, the, the mouse house, Disney world wasn't close. So you know, it wasn't that big of a deal in Orlando because they didn't close because they were still after the, the, you know, American dollar. So, um, that's when you start knowing it's going to be serious. Like I think in Ian, it did close. They did close Disney world. So that's how, you know, when it's going to get, um, when there's potential for damage in Orlando area, but anyhow, yes, let's do pray for them. But here we are, episode 90, Josh, and uh, today we get to talk about, uh, you know, building some teams. Yeah, I think we're really leaning into how, how do we lead people? This might be a little bit of leadership 101, but also how do we learn to grow as pastors, as leaders in leading people? And why is it hard to be a leader? How, would, how do we define leadership? Uh, a lot of people have different ideas on what a leader is and what a leader does. So let's just kind of kick it off that way, Jay. Just how would you, and of course, I think with all of our conversations, we usually like to define what we're talking about. Because when we say one word or we say a phrase, we automatically go to what we already think about it. So how would you define leadership? I mean, I'll be completely honest. I mean, it's... it it. It's not as complicated as maybe we would like it to be. I believe it's just a, it's simply an individual who's been called by God to a leadership position of, you know, in order instructing others to lead others to, um, you know, direct and give direction um, to an organization or a ministry or a church or uh, I don't want to overcomplicate the term leadership because it can call it's not just the pastor. It's not just the staff. It's not just the, the deacons. It doesn't always necessarily come with an official title um to be a leader you don't have to have a title um it's 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 when you've been given responsibility for um others uh, of any kind mm -hmm. if you really want to break it down i think that's what it comes down to it's the responsibility of others um so i think that's how i would define the term leadership just the responsibility for others because you that's 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 what it is um but many times when we look in a church i think or in any kind of ministry or organization you would say the leader, you know, has a title of some sort or whatnot. Um, but I think there's other means and there's other places. I think there's leadership that takes place in all organizations, specifically the church. There's leadership that takes place that sometimes people don't even know about. Um, mm -hmm. It's hidden. It's 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 behind the scenes. Um, but there's drastic leadership that makes it work. I think about you know think about your 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 organization, Josh. And there's so many people who do things that no one else knows about. And there's a leadership role in there. They're given instruction. They're given, you know, they're they're leading others. They're they're given responsibility that uh, no one knows about. But if it doesn't get done, they're going to know about it. I think that's really where you find out what you know where leadership holes are is when something's not getting done that always got done. Have mm -hmm. you ever had something like that where somebody leaves and you're all like, the time? Who did that? Well, so and so. Yeah, did. yeah this is, it, like you said, it's the things that people just assume it's just there. Like especially if you're, of course, you're you're in the season of starting to gather with your church soon and do some preview services. And we, you know, we're a portable church still, you know, almost 23 years old. So, you know, if, if, if the room's not set up, if the setup team isn't there or this person doesn't show up to do this um, you know, it's, it shows, but if they don't, but if they continue to do it, people just, it's funny. People just assume it's just, it happens automatically. 
and how important it is from the street to the seat, how important all those elements are just for a Sunday morning to happen. But also during the week, how we follow up with people, how we make time to connect new people to Christ and help people take next steps and families that have needs. I mean, that all takes leadership. And it's interesting, like leadership is sometimes viewed, like you said, as a title or like a top down approach. But what we find most most of the time in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we find Jesus modeling what a servant really does. I'm, I'm sorry, what a leader does, and that is a servant. He's a servant leader, uh, and and servanthood is really the pathway in the kingdom of God of of greatness. And I know Jesus, Matthew chapter 20, talked about that a lot, and he washed his disciples' feet. He showed them and shows us that leadership isn't about uh, power, control. It's really about how you pour into the people that are following you. And, and I think we see that also modeled with Paul, you know, he said, follow me as I follow Christ, not meaning I have it all together or that I have all the answers, but, uh, we're going to do this together and we're going to make a difference. Of course, you know, John Maxwell defines leadership as influence. And I would agree with that. You know, I think you can have influence and not have a title like you were saying, Jay. Um, but, but how do we grow as servant leaders? How do, how do we lead in a way that it empowers and equips others to lead. You know, some people think if I'm a leader, I do it all. You know, I, I have my job description, I have my role, but how do we grow leaders so that they can lead others and make a multiplication impact versus just, hey, I'm the leader, I'm in charge of this, this ministry or this role or this job. And how do I, how do I replicate myself so that more gets done? And that if more gets done for the kingdom of God, more people are touched and and God is God is honored in that. So so that's kind of I think what we really want to talk about today. And if you're if you're joining us and you're leaning into this conversation, I think it's one thing to know how to define leadership, but why does this matter so much? So like for for you, Jay, in your season, you're you're in a you're in a prep a prepping season, a launching season, which is exciting. I know you've got a, a huge heart and you have great abilities and visioning and like thinking of all the obstacles and not allowing those to, 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 to slow you down and say, okay, these are, op- these are opportunities. So, so talk about how leadership, why it matters so much specifically, like for you as a, as a, as a pastor, as a church planner. Yeah. So I would say this, as you just said, it's influence. It really is. And I think what an, a leader, how a leader leads will dictate how those uh, who are following you will eventually lead. Right. It's it's it hands down. Um, I'll say this before I get too much into detail, what we're doing, you know, my, me specific, but I watch pastors from afar. I watch a lot of people do certain things. And there's there's a church in Texas, in Houston, Texas, that I used to serve at. And uh, I'm no longer there. I haven't been there since. I mean, we left in 2009. Um, and so anyhow, I'm st- I still watch the church from afar. And there's a new pastor there. And his name, Pastor, his name's Lee. And I, I watch him, and this is something fascinating. I don't know him. Uh, we've never met. We've never talked. Um, but here's what I here's what I find fascinating about this pastor. He's a senior pastor of a church. Don't know how big the church is now. I'm assuming it's you know a couple hundred you know hundred people or whatnot. But here's what I found over the last uh, you know six to eight months as I've been watching. There's two times he's posted on social media where it's a Sunday morning, and he's doing something other than preaching. It's fascinating. He'll say, hey, look, today I serve as a camera person. So he's behind the camera, 
uh, serving in a camera. This past time that I saw, it just popped up on my feed. So it's not like I'm stalking, by the way. Um, but anyhow, I don't want people to think I'm a stalker, but it popped up on my feed. This last time, he's like, hey, you know, it's going to be a great Sunday here uh, at church. Today, I've got had the joy of serving in the two-year-old classroom. So he's in the kids' ministry. Mm. Here's what I hear through all that. This is a leader, is a senior pastor of the church. But what he, I hear and what I see is him modeling what it looks like to be a leader. He's not mm -hmm. too big to be behind a camera. He's not too big to be in a classroom. And I think he's he's actually demonstrating what leadership is all about <clears throat> and showing what leadership is all about. And he's doing it from afar. I noticed, and I have no connection necessarily at the church there in Houston anymore, but I noticed and I'm watching from afar. And I, and I think that's what really, if I was to encapsulate a picture of what leadership is, that's what it is. It's modeling for those who you who are following you and who you have influence over what it looks like to serve, to, mm -hmm. to show and things like that. So as a church planter is something I'm doing. That's something that I'm drastically doing right now is we're in a modeling, we're in a prep phase, but that prep phase is full of modeling for people what it looks like to, to be a mm -hmm. servant. Um, so I'm doing the things that I'm prayerfully hoping that others will will imitate and do, like you know what Paul says, right? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. But I'm I'm praying that people are picking up on it. So everything we're doing right now as a leader, as I'm doing as a leader right now, is intended to be scalable and moldable, you know, um, re reproducible for people to say, I can do this. Um, and, and showing them what it looks like um, to be a leader. I think that's what Jesus did best when you watch and follow his ministries. Mm -hmm. He modeled for those disciples everything that they can, they should be doing. Mm -hmm. he, although he was the son of God, although he was, you know, uh, sinless in life, perfect in every single way, he, he took on the form of a servant mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to model for the disciples what it looked like, to model for it. And I think this is so important because if we're not careful, leaders, typically we find ourselves in a spot or a position where we no longer do what we used to do. I think about your church, Josh, the Bridge Church in Venice, a church, mobile church after 20 plus years uh, of being a mobile church. And I watched your executive pastor, uh, the golden goose, as I call him, um, <clears throat> Alan, the past weekend, I you know a couple weeks ago when I was there, I didn't get to see him. And he was modeling for others. He wasn't, although he's the executive pastor, although he is, is he the longest stint pastor, you know, longest standing pastor on staff? I think Pastor Aaron is, has a longer uh, time okay. frame of being on staff, but yeah, Alan's been here for, for a good while. So it's been, okay. although yeah. he's got tenured, although he's got a title of executive pastor, he, his hands were getting dirty the whole weekend. He was working, mm -hmm. he was setting up, he was tearing down, he was organized and he had flow charts and he had, you know, some of the coolest things in the world. I was like, man, this guy's on it, right? The yep. fire mm -hmm. alarm off at one time and he was, he was jumped to action. All He was modeling. He's modeling what it means to be a leader. He didn't take a, a role of like, Hey, I'm here and I can't get my hands mm -hmm. dirty anymore. He continually gets his hands dirty. I really think it matters because when people see that, they see the genuineness because yes. it's the same thing that attracted the disciples to Jesus. I think it's the same thing that had all the people that were following Jesus was he 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 didn't think of himself above anyone else, even though he could. Yes, have. he could have. He, oh, he totally could have. I mean, Jesus had every reason to say, wash my feet. I mean, I'm the son of God. I mean, I'm getting ready to go to the cross for you. But yeah, Alan, has, Alan exemplifies that and, and, and really has a heart to 
serve and lead others. And I think one of the things that that stood out to me with with him is is he has incredible abilities to see what might be coming and preparing for it and then equipping others. And so I love that he's always willing to think strategically, but also if there's a need, he's going to jump in as well as the, as well as our staff. They're they're willing to do things that are not on their job description at times. You know, we we jump in and help each other when there's a need, when there's something that's messed up, when there's something that, you know, some type of issue with the facility or, you know, set up teardown. I mean, everybody's willing to help each other. And I think coming out of a silo mentality that which how, how a lot of teams function where, you know, we all take care of our own specific ministries and then we still have to work together. Instead of that, we, we want to be a team like on the, on the same football field. We all have different play calls. We all have different gifts and abilities, but we are all moving forward. Uh, and because when one person wins, we all win. And so it's really, that's been a real big value for our staff to like keep growing in that because the natural thing to do is to focus on what you are specifically good at or gifted in. And when you win, then that's all that matters. When in essence, if someone's hurting, uh, the, the team's not winning. And so uh, it's building up, strengthening each other in their, in our ministries. And so, um, that's something I'm I'm passionate about. I think we're growing as a, as a, as a church in that. I want to continue to grow in that uh, because I think when we replicate a heart of togetherness and not just hey I'm I'm going to do this, you're going to do that, and then hey don't bother me or you know I'll talk to you if there's a problem, but instead like a conversation, communication, um, asking for asking for for input, asking for feedback before, during, after an event or after Sunday morning to say, Hey, I want to, I want to continue to learn and grow. I think that's really at the heart of what you're, you're you have been getting at Jay is like, we want to be the best version God has called us to be. And as a leader, I need people to speak into my life and they need me to speak into their life. So it's, it's just encouraging and it's fun and hard all at the same time to be a leader and develop teams. Yeah. And I think that's the juggling act that everyone, and again, that's what makes it so difficult is that you're, you're, you're constantly trying to bring people in and you're also trying to send people out. Um, mm -hmm. And there's that balance of how I bring people in and how I send them out. Um, and a lot of it, you know, we, I think pastors sometimes often, um, you know, send out too quickly and we, we, we equip yeah. people and, and then all of a sudden we send them out and then they fall on their faces and then they're discouraged because they're not ready or whatever it may be. Um, but it starts slowly, slowly that development process. And I think, you know, where I'm at in the stages of church planning is right now we're building, uh, you know, a core team, you know, that team of people who are going to say, hey, we're going to see this launch. And that's always challenging in a church plan. I was telling you before we hit record, you know, um, it's always, always challenged because there's the early adopters, those that are saying, hey, yeah, I'm in. I want to be a part of this. And then you have those that are on the fringes that are going, hey. We're in, but we're not ready until you officially, when you launch, quote unquote launch, which, uh, you know, I was, I was sending an email out the other day and I said, you know, some people don't identify a church until they, they had the Sunday morning experience, um, that Sunday morning worship gathering service, whatever you want to call it. Until that happens, a church is not almost viewed as not legitimate. And mm -hmm. I said, I, I really wish that would change. That conversation would change. Um, because in my mind over the, over the course of what I've been modeling and what I'm trying to show in leadership is over the course of the last, what are we, eight months, the church has been very active in this community. 
um it's been very active in the sense of like people know who the church is there's a recognizable name we have conversations we're coach we're coming alongside people i meet with people uh people have shared with me struggles they're going through i'm doing the counseling side um we're shepherding we're coaching the church has been very very active but most people wouldn't say hey when are you going to launch when are you going to do see we got to change the lead. We got to change this because in my mind, leadership wise, we've, we've been active. We've been working. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about the home church model, Josh, real quick, the home church model. And I have, I, I know one pastor in Boston who um, he, he kind of does the, the home church model. I think they meet once a month or whatnot. His model is unique and different. And most home church models, they struggle to take off. Have you ever noticed that the home church mm-hmm. model, it's just, it struggles. Yes whatever reason it might be. And whether you hate it or you love it, whatever it might be. And I go back and, you know, this is just me ranting real quick, but hear me out. I wonder if the reason it, it struggles to go so often is because of so many people not considering it a real church because it doesn't meet the way other people meet the other churches meet. It doesn't fit the mold. And so therefore people are like, I don't know if that's a legitimate church or not, because it's not doing what every other church is doing leadership when it comes to leadership that leader is going to struggle because they're not fitting the mold Mm -hmm. they're going to wrestle with that it's going to be tension in their hearts about how that looks and i i I don't know i just i sense that we need to really get back to the core of uh of 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 leaders embracing who they are who god's called them to be and living it out with boldness um so anyhow i've ranted quite a bit here josh but i think it's really really important because if we don't clarify, if we don't understand leadership at its core, um, we end up um, redoing, creating the same cycle over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And that cycle could come from different places, right? So let, let's take the house church model. I have nothing negative to say about doing church differently, right? Because around the world, it's it's happening in different pockets. Uh, of some, church, some churches are under persecution, right? Uh, like true persecution. So they're meeting underground in homes and random businesses and places where they're trying not to get found so they don't have to go to prison, but they're still trying to share the gospel. And and then you have the house church model in, in America, which I, I think one of the struggles with that I this is just this is just my opinion. I think one of the struggles that trying to start something that will remain small. Now, if you have a multiplication mindset, yeah, we're going to have all these house churches, which in my opinion are small groups meeting and they're wonderful and they're family driven, they're encouraging, they're, uh, everybody knows each other really well. But I do think that when there's not an outreach mindset of welcoming everybody and anybody, I think things over time lose energy and they lose focus. And because if it if the mindset is the church's goal is just to be inwardly focused and we're going to quote unquote grow deeper in our faith and be the best version of a church possible um, without the mindset of making disciples of people that do not know Jesus and helping them grow to become more like Jesus. If that's not happening, if the Great Commission's not happening, I do believe that's one reason why many house churches and I would say just churches in general plateau, um, start to decline. And I'm not just talking about the goal is to get more people in seats or in the home. Um, I'm talking about transformative life change through trusting 
in Jesus Christ and following him. And if that's not the story of any church, let's just say any church, that's that's our that that's the struggle in America today. That that's why that's why we're seeing so many churches close their doors. And even with the church plant starting, we're not even keeping up uh currently from some of the stats I've read. We're not even keeping up with like maintaining where we were. And so I think really it comes down. It, it is a it is a servant leadership issue. It is a removing ourselves from the way Jesus lived and how Jesus preached and taught the church to be. And like you said earlier on the podcast, Jay, I don't think it's as complex as we make it. And and leadership, like the genre of leadership books. I mean, I've got I don't know how many leadership books. Um, I did a master's in Christian leadership at Liberty, and I really enjoyed that because one of the things we did was. Um, diving into so many biblical leaders in the Bible and pulling out truths. And I, and I really personally just love that stuff. But how many times is it not lived out in the local church? Because we just don't know how to do it. Or we complicate it, that a, a leader has to do these 50 things, or here's another study on leadership, when in essence, what's the what's the ultimate outcome of a leader? I mean, what is a leader? What, what's the ultimate aim of a leader? Is it just to be a good leader? Is it just so I can lead a better small group or have a better house church or uh, be, a, be a better team member on staff? I mean, is that really the aim? And I think at the end of the day, we have to always start with vision. What, what's the purpose of our church? Why are we here? Why am I? Why has God called me, called you to be a leader? And, and if, we, if we can't answer that question, that's why it dead ends so many times. And we people, quote unquote, burn out. I think a lot of burnout, just personally, is we've forgotten why we're supposed to be doing what we're doing in the first place. Right. And the end goal of leadership, I believe one of the end goals, if not the end goal, is, is and I'm going to say this, but it's multiplication, but it's on multiple routes. It's it's multiplication. Like what Jesus did, he multiplied himself. He sent out mm-hmm. the, the, the disciples followed in suit and did what Jesus did. And then they did what they did, and it multiplied and multiplied and multiplied and multiplied, multiplying disciples, making disciples, multiplying disciples, multiplying churches. Multiplication is the end result of leadership because when a leader effectively demonstrates and models for those who are following him what to live, he can go on and continue to do that. He or she can go on and do it again and again and again and again and be reproducible and multiplication. And and I and I do think, um, and and I really believe. You know some of the most some of the heroes of ministry that I I, I think often get overlooked at, maybe today maybe in this uh, maybe you know in this season right now they're getting a little bit more attention I think they should be are those who do this bivocationally because mm-hmm. honestly <laughs> let's put it just be honest is bivocational ministry is is the grit of ministry they have a full time job they do. Or even a part-time job they do, and they do ministry on this side. Uh, you know, in addition to that, not on the side, but in addition to that, what you find typically is the passion for a bivocational minister will often totally blow, uh, you know, blow off the the top of any other leadership because they're passionate about it. They they wouldn't do mm-hmm. it otherwise. Um, there's something yeah. there to be said about the grit of a bivocational pastor, someone who uh, doesn't get to do it full time. Um, and, I, and I think there's something to be said there. We can learn a lot about leadership, I believe, from bivocational pastors. Um, mm-hmm. But yet those are not the ones we typically we lean to. And, and again, I look at individuals that, you know, some of the bigger names that are in leadership right now. Right. Um, 
they're not they're not pastoring they're not at a church they they all they do is talk about leadership but they're not doing it practicing it right now right. which you know i've talked to some and they're like i struggle a little bit with that they're not they're not they're they're talking about leadership but they're not actually doing it uh, and i'm not saying any names right now uh <laughs> but I, what i'm getting at is you have to be careful about that these are the people that we follow we quote we also look to but they're not actually they're they have great principles but what does that look like on the day-to-day person? And then there's this standard we put in on top that like this guy, you know, this guy or this individual, this woman stands there and says, this is what leaders should be doing. And it's easy for them to do that because they don't have the weight. Well, I, I, th- I think the greatest leaders are, are, aren't the guys up in the, in the sky boxes calling plays, um, you know, like in a football game, you have, you have your coaches up in the box and you got your coaches on the field. I, I feel like the strongest and most effective leaders are player coaches, the ones that are on the field, they're out there running drills with the players. They're they're sweating along with them. They're not just telling them direct, you know, top down. Hey, I'm not I'm not against someone writing a book or authoring or whatever. But I'm just saying, when I get away from rubbing shoulders with with people, like if I'm apart from that, it, it you lose touch. And I think that the greater picture of leadership, I think, in the Bible is the shepherd leader. I think that that's really servant leadership is crucial, but shepherding leadership is is like so many authors have written i can't even remember who who said it but but you have you smell like the sheep that you're near them you're close to them you're doing life with them um you're willing to do the things that are needing to be done like you mentioned pastor allen earlier just willing to jump in and take the trash out to sweep the floor that nothing's above us or beneath us and uh and that and that that that's a big time value that 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 should be something that's at the core of every pastor listening that no matter what our title is or how long we've done it is to never forget like kneeling down and talking to that five-year-old kid that's near a parent that you're talking to after church and saying, Hey, tell me your name, you know, how, how you doing, you know, ne- never losing the, I guess the joy or even the, just the, the peace of being a part of what God is doing. And, it, and it's sometimes for me, Jay, like I can get numb to some of that. Cause I'm just, I've got so much going on so much on my plate that I can just, I wouldn't call it autopilot, but I've got so many things to accomplish that I'm just going to be so task driven. I can't forget to pause and not only praise God for giving me the opportunity to be a part of what he's doing, but to never, um, to never stop praising God for how he's working. And, um, and so slowing down, pausing and doing that sort of stuff. Hmm. So good. So good. So, uh, let's put some practical handles on this, right? We've talked a lot about, uh, leadership, what it is, what it's not, maybe, um, what are some practical handles we can put on uh, this for leaders uh, and how they can grow in this, uh, Josh? So what are some practical handles that you would say, hey, here you go. Here are some things that I would say, you know, from one from one pastor to another, some handles to put on this of how we can live this out. So for me, Jay, I mean, I, this is this is very pastoral of me to give you five E's. But if if you if you're if you're taking notes today or <laughs> if you're jotting anything down. This is how I this is how I personally have filtered how I recruit and invite someone to become a leader, whether it's to serve, whether it's uh, or it could be a challenge that they're going through. Um, so I start with envisioning. I envision for them what I believe God could do in their life. It's it's sometimes uh, I'll meet someone, I'll be able to spend time with someone like one of the like guys in some of my men's group and say, "Man, I'm, I see God doing this in your life." I can see how you're you're blessing your family. You're doing these things. God has really gifted you, and I can man, I can envision you doing X, Y, Z. 
And I just want you to know that I, I, I'm praying for you to step into that and, uh, or something like that, because I can, I can envision you making a difference in this way for the kingdom of God and start with envisioning. And then I would use the next word enlist, you know, get them fully connected. You know, if you have an application process to get someone to join a team or to serve as a leader, uh, to start enlisting them. And thirdly, encourage. I mean, I think encourage can be throughout, but when, when you, when you get someone involved serving as a leader, you're going to need to encourage them a lot because they're going to be discouraged. They're going to be scared. They're going to be nervous. Uh, but to say, Hey, I just want you to know that we're going to walk with you. I just want to uh, breathe encouragement into you. And then fourthly equip. So envision, enlist, encourage, and then equip. And, and this is where you need to give them the tools to succeed. This is where you give them uh life on life training. You know, you, you watch me do it, then I'll watch you do it, and then you do it kind of thing. Um, you you sit down with them, you go over how to, how they can lead this small group well, or they can share their faith with a friend. And then the last one is empower. I mean, like trust, equip them, and then empower them. Say, hey, I'm here for you, but I, but you're going with it. You're leading that men's group. You're pouring into those men. I'm here to come alongside you. I will encourage you. I will equip you. You know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give you vision. But I want you to know that I, I believe God is going to use you in great ways. And I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm going to be watching and serving and, and, and going along with you. But I want to empower you. I want you to lead this with God's grace and with God's help. So those are, those are five E's that I, I kind of re, try to remember in my head when I'm thinking of developing a new leader or starting a team um, to envision, enlist, encourage, equip, and empower. And I'm sure there's a lot of other E's. But those are my five. All right, cool. And I'll follow that up by giving you the CJR method. Call Josh Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, what it is with me and ease, but uh, we, were, we were going through the leadership pipeline training last year, or I guess that was in the fall, no, early in the spring. And we were just chatting about how, how do we get people to serve as a, as a leader, you know? And so that's where some of the ease came out of that, those conversations, but well, there you go. EGR, the five E's EGR. of leadership. There you go. Recruiting or developing leaders. There you go. According to Josh Robinson. No, I think uh, it really in there, you could even take those and expound on it. And you can, you should take it either. Yeah. Expand on them, but that's a good footprint. I believe there's a good, you know, footprint there for you to, um, to, to follow if you're listening in, you know, vision and list, encourage, equip, empower um, are good. Are, these are good, good methods for you to take into consideration when you're looking at growing in your leadership. But really, it starts with we can pull all the way back around, come full circle, starts with really taking the the blueprint that was laid out for us. That's not overcomplicated that we read um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John from G from Jesus's life. Um, you can even extends beyond that if you look at their their letters to the church, their you know their their works, Paul, individuals like that. Really, the whole New Testament is based off of the blueprint that was given to us by Jesus. Of like, this is how you're to lead. This is how you're to love. This is how you're to shepherd. This is how you're to serve one another. And when you start doing that, um, what you'll see is you'll actually be more, more attractive to others. Um, before anybody hits me up and goes, hey, you know, Jesus wasn't attractive. A lot of people didn't like Jesus. I get it. I get it. Um, but I really do believe people will be drawn to this type of leadership. I believe people are looking for less for a, pa a pastor who's got a platform and more of a pastor that they can have a conversation with. 
Um, I believe they're looking mm-hmm. for that type of person right now. Um, and, and I believe more and more today, we need pastors who are willing to have the conversations to take out the trash, to, to, to do the work side by side with individuals versus a dictator, like not a negative way, but like, Hey, I'm going to dictate to you what to do and call the shots. Um, yet those are the, those are often the pastors in the churches we, we look to, we put on a pedestal are the churches that, you know, have those pastors who have put enough people around them where they don't do those things anymore. Uh, they focus on other things. Um, but what they don't know is the years and years and years and years that probably went into being a servant leader. So I'm not knocking those that are those churches now that are, uh, we look to and go, man, look at how they're doing things. I I think we just forget the years of labor and sweat and tears that go into of many pastors who put in the time to 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 be servant leaders, and they're just in a place now where maybe they're not doing it as much as they they were um, before. But anyhow, I think we can go back to the blueprint of what Jesus uh, showed and demonstrated for us in the Gospels. So. Um, Josh, you I think froze for a second there on my screen. You were staring. I did, at, and, and now I'm back. Staring at you were staring in my soul. I was like, "Wow, this." No, I'm really sorry. Really, <laughs> really intense. It's not my fault. If yeah. you're watching online, you'll see that he was frozen. I was like, "Man, he is staring in my soul He's right now." Very creepy. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, Josh, and feeling and we're back. Feeling a little judged right now." <laughs> what I'm getting at is, I think, I think many times we put people on a pedestal. We just we miss the story. That went along with that to where they've they've led in such a way now they've put so many people around them to where they're able to focus their energy in other areas. Um, they're just serving in different ways that we don't even see now, but we see them as oh, well, they don't have to do that anymore. The goal is well, that- I think it's huge. Yeah, like you equipping them is is makes a great leader that you're not doing what we're not saying is do everything, but nothing should ever be above or beneath you, even even when you do have a huge team around you or a bunch of serve teams is to do it with them. And uh... so anyhow, yeah, I think, I mean, this is, this is just good at home, you know, good, healthy conversation uh, that we need to have. And so I want to encourage you guys as you're listening in girls, ladies, uh, to, as you're listening in today to, you know, write these things down, maybe put them into practice. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can always find us on, um, you know, the pastorpod.com. You can reach out to us at the pastorpod at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Love to get some feedback on where you're finding this at. Where are some of the gaps that you've seen in leadership, or how have you seen it done right? How have you seen it done wrong? We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, so feel free to reach out to us. Josh, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap up today and land the plane, as some might say? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we replicate who we are. And so for me personally, it's like um, the healthier I can be as a follower of Jesus, the better the better impact I'll make on my family and friends and church. And so leadership is, is huge. Um, but at the heart of it, the goal is to be more like Jesus. The more, the more we're like Jesus, the more we're going to reflect his love and his grace. And when we don't know what to do and we run out of ideas, uh, we can just go back to the simple gospel and, uh, and that's, that'll get us through. Right. Good word. So uh, thanks again for leaning in today from Josh and myself here at the Passion Pod. We hope to see you back next week. 